for me, it was very scary. Um, only because I had never experienced anything like that. The question that was raised for us, as well as for hundreds of other institutions, was could we survive? And so I want to move us away from just things being an initiative and they become the thing we do. My primary goal is to grow African-American studies from a minor to a major. And I want us to be one of the front-running or the front-running department of African-American studies in the state of Wisconsin. Hello and welcome to Black History Month Spotlight on WRST-FM. I'm your host, Wendell Ray, and Black History Month Spotlight showcases faculty, staff, and students on the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh campus. Last week, we talked with UW Oshkosh senior Avian Smith, and this week we'll talk with Dr. James Fletcher, Vice Chancellor of Finance and Administration at UW Oshkosh. Dr. Fletcher, thank you for being a guest on the Black History Month Spotlight. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you for inviting me. Tell us about who uh, Dr. James Fletcher is. Where, where are you from? Uh, well, actually, I'm from, for the most part, you would say, a little town called Steubenville, Ohio. Okay. But I was actually born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, lived there for the first few years of my life before going to Steubenville and going through everything in the community there and through Steubenville High School. And take us through that meandering course that brought you to the University of Wisconsin at Oshkosh. Oh, gee, I don't know. That's, that's probably too long a story, but I'll give you a couple of highlights. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> Actually, you know, I started off as an aerospace engineer. Whoa. Uh, because when I was a kid, I built rockets, planes, and people said, that's what you should do. And uh, after going to school and coming out and starting in aerospace, I realized in the first three years that uh, after going to the moon, we weren't going to be going to Mars, Venus, places unknown. So I said, how can I best utilize my mathematical interest and background in a different career? And I decided that finance was that. So coming out of business school, then I uh, uh, went into a financial career, starting first at IBM, and uh, then I went to uh, the Burroughs Corporation, which bought Sperry and became Unisys. Yes. And then after that, I was very pleased to have had opportunities to work as the chief financial officer level at a number of uh, research institutions, uh, HBCUs, Howard University, and also Morehouse College. And in addition to that, at the University of Texas, uh, or uh, rather, Texas, uh, the University of Texas system, state uh, system of uh, Texas, and also later in Idaho. And that I came, those were the places I went prior to coming here three years ago. Outstanding. Well, I am talking to a rocket scientist. I thought I'd never, this is the first for me. I've interviewed all kinds of people. Dr. Fletcher, uh-huh. you're the first rocket scientist I've ever I've oh, interviewed. Well. Thank you very We're much. <laughs> and, and so glad that you're here with us now on the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh campus. What? So you you left Idaho, got to Wisconsin. Uh, what are your responsibilities? Tell us about your department and uh, what it is that you do. 
Well, in the, in the uh, area of finance and administration, the uh, the sections of the university reporting to me are, of course, the Office of Budget, uh, Finance and Controller, uh, Human Resources, Equal Opportunity, uh, and also all of our facilities activities uh, report to me as well. Okay, that's a lot of responsibility, so there's a lot of delegation, I'm sure. But how has this um, past year, how has that impacted what you do, had to adjust in any way what it is that you do, the responsibilities that you and the departments underneath you have? Well, how has that been on your departments? Well, at the beginning of the pandemic crisis, which is the real highlight to me of the last year, uh, the question was raised for us, as well as for hundreds of other institutions, was, could we survive? And uh, I'm pleased to say that our team came together in a very good way and put in place a very imaginative and very creative plan to get us through the pandemic. And although we, like our number of institutions, all had to uh, go out and impose furloughs, as a means of reducing expense, I'm extremely proud of the fact that financially we were able to lift our furloughs at the end of December, even though that hasn't been true for a number of our sister institutions who've even had to look at layoffs, which is something we have faced and I don't anticipate are facing. And I think this is because of the combined effort of faculty, staff, and students to concentrate on making the culture changes in terms of testing, in terms of uh, wearing masks, PPE, and the right distances to enable us to continue operations with full face-to-face classes as well as an online basis. So that, that's been probably the biggest challenge uh, that we've had. We're not through it, but no. thank God we aren't where we were Right. And we've come out very well so far. Well, you mentioned that the initial question was, can we survive? And I, I, I think that was kind of startling for me because, and probably for a lot of people who are listening, because you don't realize the magnitude and the impact that that pandemic had. And looking from a financial standpoint at all the things you had to examine, that was a question that had to be answered. And how long did it take before you and the committee, or those that came together, determined, yes, it is something that we can uh, survive if we do these number of steps? Well, I would say, based on the things that we've done, uh, we've gotten pretty much close to that answer. Uh, we're, we're, we're still not there because we're not okay. in the pandemic. But we're through the, the, the brutal first uh, nine months of the pandemic. And what I would point out is that in our minds, we tend to assume tomorrow is pretty much like today and things are stable. But what we've seen because of the pandemic, that one of the oldest industries and most profitable industries in this country, movie theaters, Mm -hmm. uh, their existence is being questioned. The number of movie theaters are having to shut down, just as the number of restaurants have had to shut down, simply because... They didn't have the wherewithal of the traffic in and out every day, every week to keep operating. For universities, that, that flow is in students. And when this whole thing first started, as you know, we had to, in effect, close down. We had to send students home. We had to refund their meal and 
room and board costs. And we didn't know for sure whether or not in the environment we were operating, we would have the right enrollment numbers to operate uh, mm-hmm. well. And uh, so those were, those were big unknowns. Uh, I, I'm pleased to see that at least so far, our enrollment has tended to hold in there, and we have promising signs of a significant increase in our new freshman class coming. That that, that had so, been uh, almost fun. that had been a, a, a large task, Herculean almost, in having to make those refunds. Some at a time when you typically, I guess, aren't doing them at least not at that scale, and doing them, at, I, I would imagine, in, pretty quickly. That's right. How did you execute that? Well, we simply said, let's do it and go ahead and do it. Okay. And, you know, a lot of people have said, and we're saying, do you want to do this? But it's a fundamental principle of customer service, that if you want to keep your customers, you have to treat them right, treat them with respect, be good to them. And the students are our ultimate customers. So by doing prompt and full refunds, that helped us in terms of buying a certain amount of customer satisfaction. By Approaching our problem from the point of view that the chancellor and our cabinet was all in agreement that PP&E requirements come first. We had a committee set up in EOC to look at all aspects of preparing the campus for safe uh, operations. And I'm pleased to say that we funded each and every recommendation that they had. We've had people disinfecting all over the place, supplying masks. Uh, cleaning the restrooms, all sorts of key areas, doing the same thing in in our classrooms and having the right uh, spacing and so forth there. Mm-hmm. And and the assumption here, and it was just an assumption, which I think is good, is that if we take care of addressing the virus first, positive economic returns will happen. And uh, that's true for the country as a whole, as Certainly, I know the new administration is operating on that philosophy that says if we adjust the pandemic first, the economic activity will come back. And that's the assumption we've been on. So we we have not waited to say, do we have funding for all the masks that we need? We identify how many masks we need, and we bought them, along with everything else. And we've, as the funding has become available, certainly we've made use of it, but we haven't let the absence of funding get in the way of putting the need in place now. You're listening to the Black History Month Spotlight. Today, we spotlight Dr. James Fletcher, Vice Chancellor of Finance and Administration at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. I'm Wendell Ray. This is WRST-FM. Social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. 
Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. I learned patience from my adoptive dad. All he had to say was, Hey, you got this. Just breathe. Hey. <laughs> We're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Might have to start a band. <laughs> I got it. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. <laughs> Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Jill, why don't you tell the class what you did this weekend? Well, my dad and I went in search of some magical minnows and found a zillion of them in the stream from our lookout rock. Then my sister and I escaped from an evil slug king and went back to my super twig fort for safety. Then we told stories till it got dark and the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Where were you, Jill? We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. 90.3 WRST-FM recognizes Black History Month from the Timetables of African American History by Sharon Hardley. Benjamin Banneker calculates ephemerides, tables showing the positions of the planets for almanacs, which he begins to publish and distribute. He also begins publishing an annual almanac specifically for farmers. The year, 1792. Welcome back to Black History Month Spotlight on WRST-FM. We are broadcasting from the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh campus. I'm Wendell Ray, and each Thursday in February, we're spotlighting faculty, staff, and students on the UW Oshkosh campus as a part of our celebration of and recognition of Black History Month. Next week, we'll speak with Dr. Alfonso Simpson, Director of African American Studies at UW Oshkosh. Today, we are joined by Dr. James Fletcher, Vice Chancellor of Finance and Administrator, Administration at UW Oshkosh. And before the break, we were talking, uh, Dr. Fletcher, about uh, how there were some decisions made when the pandemic hit. Decisions that businesses, industries, other universities across the, camp- uh, across the country had to make. And that you all made here, but you didn't spend a lot of time worrying about what had to be done. You knew there were some some things that had to be done, and you did them. And I think, or would you say, that that was uh, part of the reason uh, that you were successful or have been successful, uh, at least to date? I think that clearly was the reason. And I would uh, reinforce the importance of the leadership and guidance from the chancellor, which infused the whole team, and the humanistic response philosophy that we used. 
looked at another way, one could say, if we did all this advanced uh, PP&E purchasing and, and the cleaning and disinfecting and all these things, and the students did not come, uh, financially we could be in a hole. However, our philosophy was in order for the students to come, we needed to do those things. And, and, and I guess to a certain extent it does sound like they had that movie a while ago, Build It and They Will Come, mm-hmm. which didn't work there, but it did work here. <laughs> that was our philosophy. Okay. Now, no one has uh, experienced anything, I think, on the scale of this pandemic and how it impacted so many sectors of, uh, of life in, in, in the United States and around the world, not just economically, but as we're talking about education. All um, social institutions were impacted. But... Did your wealth of knowledge from your experiences at the various other campuses you had served at, your time in corporate America, did they in any way help you to prepare for tackling something like this? Well, I think they, they clearly did. I mean, it's, it's not possible to summarize all the experiences that bring up its worst to where they currently are. But I remember very well the experience I had at, at uh, in Idaho when I was at Idaho State University facing what then was the greatest recession that we've had since the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And there were a number of things that we we uh, we have done that were in common with some of the actions that were taken back then and that were necessary to get us through that financial challenge. I, I think one of the things that a lot of us find difficult to understand is the role of money in our lives. And the fact is, although we, we think often of money as being something that sits on the shelf, money is something that moves. And the important thing about the money is to invest in the right things. And I think that one of the challenges that we have, and it's a special challenge for people of color, is that often we aren't touched by the flow of money. Mm-hmm. And what we need to do is maximize our opportunities to acquire, build, manage and maintain it, because there's nothing worthwhile in any institution that can be done without having money. And so we have to start looking at the flow of money and how it impacts us. And I mean, if we're concerned about, I'm concerned about diversity and inclusion, we need to see how we're diverting dollars to funding diversity and inclusion, and whether the flows of those monies are helping us. So if we put people first and the money second, I believe overall we'll come out better institutionally and better as a nation. You mentioned at the top of the show all of the various departments that come under your uh, guidance. Yeah. There are a number. But is there some sort of central vision that you have for all those uh, departments that you oversee, or does each one have its own particular vision and goal that you'd like to see them achieve? Well, we operate on the concept that we should have a central vision for what we're doing for the university now and into the future. And that central vision should also be expressed in how we operate. Now, one element of our venture, of our vision, is customer service and total quality improvement. And therefore, what we do is we do a survey of all the people we serve, whether they're faculty, staff, or students on a yearly basis. And then based on that survey, we understand the things that we're doing well 
the things we aren't doing so well, and how we have to improve our services. We also operate on the assumption that diversity is a very important prime goal for our university. And there are a number of ways in which our function can impact that, specifically with respect to human resources and equal opportunity. Uh, certainly as a hiring agent, we're one of the biggest employers in the area. The way in which hiring is done is very, very important. Now, one thing you can do and should do is maintain that you have a diverse hiring pool from which you hire, whether it's faculty or staff or whatever. And then, if you don't have that diverse pool, you take actions to increase it. Now, human resources can help by ensuring that every search has a diverse pool. Now, one important further action they can do that had not been done before, but we recently did, is to say not only should the initial pool be diverse, the final selection pool should also be diverse. And that's just mm-hmm. an example in a couple of ways in which uh, the function can impact the overall university in terms of moving us on our strategic objectives on diversity. Now, with regard to the that pool, uh, because you could, I could say that is a, been a goal in the broadcast arena to increase opportunities. And one of the things that you often hear is we just don't know where to find people. How do you overcome those uh, types of, not obstacles, but when people say that? Well, my life experience has been that you can find good people everywhere. Because one thing that's true is a lot of people need uh, good salaries so they could finance their mortgages, their lifestyle, their education, their health, and all that. And that too often what happens is we don't look in the right places. And all my life, one of the things I've always done wherever I have been is to try to go out on recruiting trips, survey trips, and so forth, and find people. And I'm extremely pleased that when I was in the Unisys Corporation, Michael Blumenthal, who at that time was our chairman, gives awards for outstanding performance during the year in various areas. And he gave me an award for the work that I had done in hiring, and he mentioned how in my area and so forth, it was like the United Nations mm-hmm. and all these wonderful things that were there. But my conclusion and my assessment was I really didn't do anything anybody else could not have done because if the same attention had been given by all the supervisors, they could always find good talent. You're listening to the Black History Month Spotlight on WRST-FM. Today, we are spotlighting Dr. James Fletcher, the Vice Chancellor of Finance and Administration at UW Oshkosh. We'll be back with more right after this. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, 
Why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can. But it's just as important to take time for yourself. AARP can help. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. All right, everybody in the car, let's go. What are we going to do first when we get there, Mom? Go for a hike? Sure. What about canoeing? Can we go canoeing, too? I don't see why. How long does it take to get to the forest? It's not that far, sweetie. <sighs> are we there yet? Yep, we're here. Already? It's a short drive from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. Tom has been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. I was really starting to worry. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. 90.3 WRST-FM recognizes Black History Month from the Timetables of African American History by Sharon Hartley. The Institute for Colored Youth, the first black co-educational classical high school, opens in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It would later be known as Cheney State College, the oldest historically black college or university in the United States. The year, 1837. And welcome back to Black History Month Spotlight on WRST-FM. We are broadcasting from the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh campus. And each Thursday in February, we're spotlighting faculty, staff, and students on the UW Oshkosh campus as a part of our celebration and recognition of Black History Month. Next week, we'll speak with Dr. Alfonso Simpson, Director of African American Studies at UW Oshkosh. Joining us today is Dr. James Fletcher. Vice Chancellor of Finance and Administration at UW Oshkosh. And we were talking before the break, Dr. Fletcher, about purchasing is an important part of what you see in terms of diversifying in the money that the university spends. That's correct. And the money that we spend should be working for us in the same way that our program planning and our hiring and all of the other things we do is. And we should make sure that when we use our purchasing dollars, and we spend hundreds of millions of dollars over our whole strategic plan period of a couple of years. We should make sure that those funds are going as well to uh, so-called minority businesses. And, and, I, and I think the, the, the fundamental concept here is I know when I was a kid, I used to read about the Du Bois-Washington controversy and how W.E.B. Du Bois had the more mm-hmm. militant approach and mm-hmm. the top 
10, Talent's 10th, yeah. and whereas on the other hand, Washington said, cast down your bucket where you are, and look at your economic resources. We need to bring those together. Those two strands should be fused. Because in the same way that we're working to maximize everything we can do for education for our community, we have to maximize economic development for our community as well. Outstanding. You also mentioned earlier that that includes educating uh, young African Americans about uh, money and financing. That is extremely true, because I think what young African Americans need to learn are the same things that uh, a lot of people in the majority population who have their families involved in businesses and so forth learn, to learn things as a child and as they get older. And they should learn about money and investing and how to hold on to and keep the money you have and multiply it. Last Those night, are essential. Last night you were the keynote speaker at the inaugural Dr. King Celebration and Awards program here on campus. What was one of the themes, I guess, that you tried to convey to the audience? Well, one of the themes that I tried to convey was we're moving into a new phase now. And it's the next phase of our development. And to a large extent, it was necessary to get phase one done. But what we have to do now is move to phase two, which means that we have to take all of the insights that we've gained and we have to take collective action wherever we are to maximize and multiply our economic benefits. This is the thing that is more important than anything at all for the future success of our community. Outstanding. Well, spoken like a true financier. <laughs> Thank you very yep. much, Dr. Fletcher, for being with us. You've been listening to the Black History Month Spotlight here on WRST-FM. Today, we spotlighted Dr. James Fletcher, Vice Chancellor of Finance and Administration at the University of Wisconsin. Oshkosh, we thank you, Dr. Fletcher, for being with us today. Thank you all for listening. I'm Wendell Ray. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you.